Hello, dear listeners of the Geekening Podcast. It is Will, otherwise known as Iron Code to some people. But today I have a very special guest. So please introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Michael Lowe. I am the uh, the founder of luckoflegends.com, which is where I use role-playing games to teach kids how to write. Awesome. And if you don't mind me asking, how did you decide like, oh, yes, this is how we can teach kids to write. I, I, you know, that's funny. I always, whenever somebody asks me this, my first response is always, why didn't I do it 20 years ago? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've always, so I, I've been playing and designing games, uh, role-playing games since I think I was probably 12. Cause like wow. I played my first one when I was 11 and was like, wow, this is so cool, and immediately started messing with it more. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, you know, teaching came later. Um, I started teaching in uh, right after undergrad. And I think, to me, it's a very obvious combination for anybody who's had a powerful experience role-playing. Yeah. Uh, role-playing gamers, you know, they know that just like a good book can really change your life if you're able to read it fluently enough for it to really get into your your neural networks and and rewire things mm -hmm. a good game is collaborative social storytelling mm -hmm. so it's it's the same thing as the book only imagine you and the author are having a conversation about how things are going to go yeah. and you're both emotionally engaged with each other and you're with a group that you've built a community with and uh you know as a teacher in the classroom i spent 20 years figuring out how to help kids create collaborative communities where they felt genuinely emotionally engaged, both with the work, but also with each other and supported by each other and trust in each other. And it takes a long time to do that because trust is something you only develop after you've trusted someone and they've proven that your trust was, was well-founded, right? right. Yeah. And the thing about games that's so powerful is you can develop that level of trust very quickly because you are put into situations in the story that are often very emotionally intense and, and transformative. And there's a heightened sense of, of ownership. It feels like it's happening to you. And when, you know, your fellow gamers reach out and help you out and those other characters create a story with your character that's very compelling, it's impossible not to feel profoundly moved and also trusting and to quickly get to a level of collaborative um, collaborative creativity that's really hard to achieve in other circumstances. Yeah, and I totally get that with um, characters helping you through uh, things. A quick question, if Please. you don't mind me asking. No, of course. Uh, before we started recording, you said you listened to some of um, the Geekening that I've done. Yeah. Uh, which ones did you listen to? If you don't oh, mind me asking. Um, the, the most recent one was the, it, it was the first one up. Um, you guys were talking about, oh gosh, I forget her name. <laughs> I'm forgetting everyone's name. I was listening, you know, while I was doing five other things, mm -hmm. but um, you were talking a lot about a particular show. Hold on, I'm looking it up right now. I'm finding it on my, my, uh, my, uh, my history. My yeah. Browser history because depending on which one you've listened to, I'm about to start talking about a character I bring up a lot. <laughs> oh, you, you can feel free to bring up anything you like, and I'm happy to chat about whatever you're interested in. All right, because it, it's in the same vein of a character helping you out. Mm, please, um, go ahead. 
It is um, my dice sesh character, Tauros. Okay. Uh, Minotaur cleric. Classically named, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's honestly why I did it. I was like, what would be yeah, fun? Of uh, yeah, this. Okay. Right and um, one thing about him is that in the beginning, because of course, you know, he's had character arcs, you know, growing as a person because he basically started the adventure as a medical school graduate because hmm. he right is a registered doctor. Awesome. Though he has an intelligence of five. I mean, I think everybody, you know, everybody has different abilities and you never know. There's, there's, there's a large range of things that you can do with whatever abilities you're born with. Right. And um, the reason I was able to get by with that was because medicine is wisdom based, mm -hmm. not intelligence based. Sure. So he's just been doing like, eh, this feels like the right amount. And it was just yeah. gut feeling. And in the beginning, he was very um, self-doubting of his skills mm -hmm. and his abilities because in the city he grew up with, his mother was part of the guard and is still part of the guard and is considered a high up as part of the guard and his father's one of the town's historians. And he was just like, okay, I have to live up to the legacy, if not be greater than them. Though his family never asked him to do that. He brought that upon himself purposely and he doesn't know why. So this is, this is, uh, you're, you're giving me a perfect example of the thing that people don't know about role-playing games. Um, you are clearly invested in long-term, profound character arcs. You're thinking about every aspect of this character's personality, their history, their bonds. You're thinking like an author. Yeah. Um, and when, you know, when somebody says, you know, what does it mean? What do you mean you play games to teach writing? My answer is always, uh, you know, we, we care most about what we own uh, and giving students ownership and letting them really flex their creativity and, and own a story is a huge, huge motivator for intense engagement and intense commitment. You know, kids in my class are not required to write. There's absolutely no expectation that there will be some sort of consequence if you don't. Um, there is a benefit and there are all sorts of, of exciting advantages to writing, but you know, if you have an off day, no worries. And kids will write regularly 10 plus pages in a day um, <laughs> just because they are so powerfully interested in exploring the world they've created and the characters that they've both uh, created themselves, but also they've run into in the course of the game. Because the story is theirs, um, in the same way, you know, and I, I say this about everybody who's mastered something, right? If you meet anyone who has mastered any skill, any any content area, any field, uh, guaranteed, it comes back to having a sense that they have done something that is really uh, interesting and profoundly, you know, they're profoundly involved in it, that's theirs. I made this thing, I figured this out, I did this research. And that's something that's lacking in a lot of the way that, um, classic education is approached in school. You know, you're, you're going to learn this because we think it's important and right. it's known by other people. Not, you're gonna discover something new, create something new, build a thing that is yours. More, you're gonna learn this thing that everybody else already owns. So right. your um, ownership of that story is clearly profound and, and it's clearly deep. And you think like an author because you're invested in this character and in this game. Yeah, as you're saying, it's not 
oh, we have a status quo. We have this curriculum. We're doing this because we are mandated to. It is giving creative control, which is... Well, yeah, that's... I often say the other half of trust is you have to trust somebody in order to figure out whether you can. You have to trust kids if you want them to trust you back. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, everything I do is, in fact, aligned to Common Core Standards. I give qualitative feedback at the end of every session to my students and their parents on their, their, uh, their different effectiveness, how close they are to grade level or above it in different standards and some encouragement, you know, here are some things they're working on. Here are some things they really, they really did amazing on. And, you know, it's five different common core standards. It hits all of the necessary areas of growth for ELA narrative development at uh, the age range that I teach. Nice. Uh, the, but, the, but I get to teach multiple age groups, which is great. You know, I'm running yeah. currently seven through 13. And boy, when you have seven-year-olds in the same class as 13-year-olds, it's so incredibly compelling. The 13-year-olds are writing to impress and they're flexing. They get the chance to be the big kid. And the seven-year-olds are going, wow, that story is amazing. And then going home and trying their, their absolute best to meet that same level of narrative investment. So there's huge potential for growth precisely because they're put in a mixed-aged group. Instead of being segregated by age and then, you know, forced to not have a, a sense of of, uh, of sort of leveled community that's natural, right? Yeah. Seven-year-olds have no trouble looking up to 13-year-olds. They're like, wow, that kid's cool. Yeah, and 13-year-olds, yeah. And 13-year-olds love the opportunity to be like, yes, here's I am the cool kid. Let me show you guys how it's done. Yeah, kid, I'm going to help your character out because I'm looking out for everyone. You know, it's yeah. a wonderful opportunity for all of them. And it creates really, really wonderful creative communities. Yeah, and um, as you said, with anyone who's become a master at something, mm -hmm. um, before I started doing these um, uh, podcasts, you know, these mm. recordings, this audio, I was a writer for All Ages mm. of Geek. Oh, right on. And occasionally uh, I still do some. Oh, right on. Sorry, right on. Yeah, I, I realized no, no, after no. I said it, I had the dad part of my brain was like, oh. <laughs> hey, no. Don't be upset. I love dad jokes. I, I tell dad it. jokes, even though I'm not a dad. I'm a faux pas. Hey, hey, uh, oh, that's good. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm gonna figure out a way to use that within the day. Yeah, I'm shameless. I do think there's something about it. it I is. swear, my I, I ever since hitting, you know, I I my son was born when I was 36, and every year since, it's gotten worse. <laughs> and now we're at the point where literally I'll get a look in my eye and my, my partner, she's just like, just don't, just don't. And my son will go, do it, dad, do it. And, I, <laughs> and so we're terrible around my house. We're oh, absolutely wretched. I, I love it. I love it. But as I was saying, um, have you ever heard of the web series Ruby? No. Tell me. Okay. About it. So Ruby, it's a very heroes and monsters story in the beginning. Mm. And the monsters in the world are called Grimm, which mm. you'll notice a pattern soon that everything is named after something for a reason. Mm. And like the wolf type of Grimm is called a Beowulf. Mm -hmm. At see Beowulf, but, um, Beowulf, yeah, yeah, they're all based off of something. Like there's a giant bird Grimm that's called a Nevermore because quote the Raven Nevermore. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's very referential to yeah, it's very tales. Yeah, gotcha. 
yeah like fairy tales that's a great example because that's a big thing in ruby is fairy tales and one of the big questions that the headmaster of this huntsman academy asks the main character is what is your favorite fairy tale hmm. because in ruby some fairy tales are actually true well i mean and this is this is sort of another another piece of why i think writing narrative composing narrative and and really doing it collectively can be such a powerful educational tool um stories are the original way that humans learned and conveyed knowledge yeah yeah very stories are very so. stories are very central to um to how people both communicated culture and values but also you know skill sets and mm -hmm. and you know important stuff about how to live your life both well and also what to look out for yeah and uh there's something very very fundamental i don't know i often you know when i was in the classroom one of my things i would often ask kids is, all right who here absolutely loves writing and, you know like a couple like maybe yeah. one kid who was feeling real bold that day you know <laughs> hand would nervously go up and i'd ask all right well who here loves to read you know three or four kids who are like hardcore nerds would be like yeah you know yeah. <laughs> and everybody else would be sitting on their hands and i'd say well look there's a reason for that um first off let me tell you something you all absolutely loved stories and they'd give me a blank look and i'd say look there's no way to be a human and not love stories yeah it's just impossible. If you don't like writing and reading, let me explain why. Writing and reading only showed up about mm, 12,000 years ago. And for most of the 12,000 years since, it's been a very exclusive skill that's been something only a fraction of a fraction of a percent of the world's populace did. Stories, on the other hand, are something we've done for 200,000 years. Yeah. So. The bottom line is, of course, the neural architecture for writing and reading is complicated and it's kind of literally, you know, evolutionarily speaking, it's new. We're still working on this stuff. So the fact that you get to practice this and rewire your brain to understand stories in a different way is absolutely phenomenal. And I always give the example, I'm like, look, I can learn more in an hour of reading than you can in an hour of watching videos. Yeah, it's a faster way, but you have to build the neural architecture to do it. And so the trick is using the one to get to the other, right? Use the yeah. stories to get to the complicated skills. And um, and that's what I do. Yeah. And um, as I was uh, saying with uh, yeah. Ruby, please. Um, my very first article was the biggest challenge I ever gave myself doing <laughs> writing on my own, not for a curriculum, not for a college. Mm -hmm. It was just yeah. me. And it was finding the cultural background for every single Grimm in order of their appearance. Oh, wait a minute. This is, this is, yeah. I did hear you talking about this in your episode because there was a discussion of like big Grimm's and minor Grimm's or like, and you were like, yeah. I, I remember you talking about this with your yeah. guest, yes. It was three, it, oh, real easy, over 3,000 words long. Mm -hmm. And one that he has something that's kind of great about it since then. Sure. That article is outdated because it's even more grim now. And I'm of just course. like, more work someday, someday. I mean, but you, that's the work you chose to do and that you were excited to do. That's yeah. like, how compelling is that? This is something that you clearly feel powerfully about. For me as an educator, my goal is always getting kids to the point where they don't need me. That's no. always the goal. 
I want kids to fall in love with learning and enjoy the process of researching and writing about something um, so much that, you know, if you leave them alone in a, in a, in a room for a couple of hours, they'll end up studying it because it's so great. Yeah. And, and that's something that, you know, uh, clearly, you know, um, and you have that skill. Um, but a lot of kids, it takes them a long time to develop that without, uh, the right kind of coaching and the right experience is feeling proud of what they do. Yeah. Clearly you have a lot of pride about that yeah. and it's clearly a part of who you are. And that's an experience that is transformative for any student. Yeah, and the thing that is one thing I credit to my love of research and reading and being like, yeah, this is a challenge. I'm gonna do it. Mm -hmm. um, was I will be blunt about this. I will be perfectly clear with this. I was the weird kid. Mm -hmm. um, oh, well, who wasn't? Come on, we were all weird kids. Yeah, even fair, the kids fair. we thought weren't weird. They, 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 were, they thought they were weird. Yeah, like, like they right. didn't know that in, in their heart. We didn't know that in their heart of hearts, they were going, I'm probably a terrible freak. Yes, we all are. We're humans. Yeah. <laughs> we're all so bizarre. Yeah, while other uh, boys are doing like, oh, they're doing baseball, football, wrestling. I was researching cryptozoology. Yep. <laughs> yeah, amen. I, I love folklore. I love monsters. Yeah. Amen. I, uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned you know other kids were were doing doing sports. I mean, I grew up with a with a single mom and I was an only kid and I wasn't uh, I never got into sports. I was the kid who who kind of never really understood it because nobody played it with me, right? Yeah. And I didn't have the kind of transformative experience that other kids had had, feeling connected, feeling family, feeling joy and excitement, either watching or playing sports. And I had those experiences at a game table, and which is why I got so compulsively uh, into both playing and making role-playing games because they were hitting that same sweet spot that a lot of kids had uh, had sports to fill. And I think there's been a little shift in in, in culture and demographics. Oh, I can yeah. remember, uh, geez, I guess now it's almost 20 years ago. I was in a classroom in the south side of Chicago and uh, loved the school, um, Little Village Lawndale. Um, love my kids there. Uh, still in touch with a bunch of them. Oh, wow. Um, oh, well, you, that's one of the best things about teaching is you get to see these people become adults and you're kind of floored. You're like, yeah, yeah, holy monkeys. Like, I remember when you were like a kid and they're like, yeah, I remember when you were like an adult and now you're like old. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> totally accurate. But, uh, but you know, I, I was doing some in-class activity and uh, I pulled out a die I think I was rolling like a, like a, I think I was rolling like a D12 because I like a D12 there. Uh, yeah, they're not um, really used unless you're playing a barbarian. I, I enjoy, well, that's, that's if you're a and d person. Me, I'm, uh, a, I'm, I'm one of those, uh, I'm one of those off the beaten track kind of dudes. Ooh. So I like to use a lot of different dice for a lot of different reasons. Fair, and fair. I have my, I have my affections. I will say, and if you want to get into it, the D20 is my most loathed die. I hate those things. Um, but anyway, I'll tell you about that in a second, but I yeah, I was going to say, like, I want to hear that one after this story. <laughs> okay, deal. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so I pulled it out and I rolled something and, you know, the kid, kids in the front, their eyes got wide and one of them goes, Mr. Lowe, is that a D and D die? And I was like, well, <laughs> oh, no. well, I was, you know, and I was, even then I was an indie nerd. So I was like, I was like, well, technically and I was like, can you role play with it? Yes. Yes, you can. And, uh, and they, you know, another kid's hand goes up and goes, will you teach us? 
And I looked at him utterly, you know, floored and kind of bewildered. And I was like, listen, I, you would have gotten crammed in a locker when I was growing up for saying that out loud. Yeah. And, um, and that was, you know, that was when I started playing with kids, uh, after school mostly. And, you know, I've, I've been running games for kids for, for decades now and, um, and, and sort of making games that were more accessible, that did different things that incentivized different ways of playing and different ways of thinking and um, figuring out the connection between that and, and really academic skills and how to connect the two. That's become my kind of overwhelming passion. Um, nice. I'm, I'm more or less thinking about it nonstop. My partner often has to be like, what are you doing? Like, you need to stop, stop writing. And I'm like, I, okay, but I got to get this idea out before. So, yeah. Yeah. So you want to so, hear about the D20? Why do you hate it? Oh, it's just a terrible die. Um, why? Here's, here's the simple reason. Rolling a D20 plus something is one of the most um, weirdly suspension of disbelief destroying ways to generate probability. Uh, if you roll, so take, take here's a D&D here's a &D example for you. This is one of the many examples I can give you systemically of why I'm not fond of the rules. Okay. Um, so take a, a, you know, first level character. You got a wizard with a strength of eight. Yeah, simple. And a, and a fighter with a strength of 18. Yeah. Heck, let's make it 20. Let's make them, a, let's make them some sort of uh, really beefy dude. Right? All right. Or dudette. Or non-binary person. Yeah. But these two people have an arm wrestling match. That little, that little person with the eight strength has a fairly decent chance of out arm wrestling somebody who is literally as strong as a human possibly could be. That to me ruins my suspension of disbelief. A minute as a fighter, that, that wizard <laughs> out arm wrestles my character. I'm like, wait, but I built this guy for one reason. I have this epic thing in mind and, and, and that dude can put my hand on the table a fair amount of the time because the role, the only difference is it's a, it's a minus one versus a plus four or five. Uh, five. And that's a really, hey. that's a really low, uh, in terms of like probability, it shouldn't be possible hmm. or it should be only possible in certain narratively interesting moments where there's a lot of momentum building up and there's all these plots going on for how people are going to rig the thing. So the guy with the eight is going to be able to pull it off. But with a D20, you've got a 5% chance of every single number showing up. And the range is so vast that unless the modifier is huge, it's really a, a, a sort of um, dissatisfying way to determine outcomes. Hmm. Also, I don't like, you know, success fail. To me, that's a boring outcome. I want, I want success with a trouble or, or fail, but with an edge. I want yeah. something that gives me something narrative to work like with. It's fine that you mentioned that because there is a uh, role-playing game coming that actually that's part of the thing, is that? Oh yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, you know, Powered by the Apocalypse games, Forged in the Dark games. There are so many games that have taken on gradient, uh, gradient successes and the idea of narratively interesting roles. My rule for roles in all the games I create, it's pretty simple. Um, if there's a chance that failure will cause trouble or change the flow of the story, then it's then it's time to roll something and the results of the roll should always give us tools to make the narrative more interesting it should always be exciting when the when the die hits the table there should always be a gasp or a shriek 
or, uh, you know, everybody should yeah. have their, their fingernails in their mouth when the die hits the table or otherwise rolling itself becomes unnecessary to the structure of the game. And there are some great games that don't have any dice, no dice, no masters, belonging outside belonging. Many of those are actually what I'm looking at. Um, I'm developing some, some games for classroom use for, uh, for teachers to use with content. I'm nice. working with uh, Teachers in the Dungeon, Daniel Ream. Uh, he did a, a whole unit with a game that I designed for him, uh, Human Geography, an AP course uh, called Scions of the City. They got to play the, uh, the, the, major, the major players, sort of main community figures in a city that they created using all of their Human Geography uh, end of year knowledge and, uh, and faced difficulties in the city. You know, for example, one of them had a, an oppressive ruling class and a mine where there was a lot of human rights abuse and there were there were some uh, serious issues with labor rights and they had to negotiate and try to keep the violence from, from escalating and also resolve the issues and create some human right law, rights laws that would work. Right. But, um, but yeah, some of those diceless systems are great because they also encourage shared storytelling. This is another mm -hmm. one of my my reasons I'm not I I'm not you know I don't play D and D, and uh, it's not like I don't play D and D like I hate it. It's just it doesn't do the things I want to do. Yeah, in the it's game. not a cup of tea. Yeah, it's it's not my game because there are some things I want out of my experience that other games do better, and one of them is collaborative storytelling. Um, I think a lot of you know I see so many things on social media. I feel so bad for folks. Yeah. Um, so many nervous DMs who are like, I don't know what to do, and I'm I'm trying to write this thing, and I'm prepping this thing and that thing, and I'm, I'm sort of going, gosh, you know, this is a lot easier if you have a game that lets you share some of the narrative weight, so that you know, person makes a role and they succeed, and you go, okay, you tell me what happens, or a person says, okay, well, I've got this storyline, like, okay, what does that mean to you? Okay, where do you come from? Tell me about that part of the world, and the world building itself is something you do together. And that, to me, um, it's just another aspect of, uh, of gaming that, you know, at the beginning, D20 was very much a war game, right? Yeah. D&D was originally uh, um, something that evolved from larger scale battles, right? Yep. And, uh, and so it's really kept that history. And um, it's really part of the system. You look at most characters, they're mostly defined by things that really have to do with fighting. How many hit points they can heal, how many spells they can cast, how much damage they can deal. And um, and while that's a fun game and, and I totally dig it that people want to play it and that's awesome and some people want that structure, I love that role-playing games can move into the space of real collective shared world building and storytelling where people are going, okay, let's start with a question. How long have we been on this asteroid mine? Have we been here for a few months, a few years? Have we been here generations? Yeah. What are our values on this asteroid mine? Do we hold to data, hard work, uh, family, or some sort of religious belief? And by the time you're finished with going through those questions, you've got a very unique world and each person at the table has a feeling of commitment to it and immersion in it because it's a world they built together. Um, those are just some examples that are from a game I have coming out in the fall, Ooh. Uh, Hold Fast Station. It's actually up on my itch page now. Oh, nice. um, yeah, I, I have, like I said, I make too many games. So <laughs> luckoflegends.itch.io um, or backslash itch.io, I think backslash. Um, but Holdfast is a, a game about a community of asteroid miners at the edge of known space. And it's, it's not a game about fighting. It's a game about 
surviving and figuring out how to come together when things are difficult. And it plays as a series of one shots and it's absolutely zero prep. Everybody can show up at the table and it tells you what to do. It has little read aloud pieces and it has all the sheets for you to fill out. So you build the world, you build the characters and you then build the, 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 the what we call the countdown. You build the calamity that your, uh, your community is gonna face. And you can play this uh, once, and there are three cycles, trust, uh, health, and, uh, and station, dealing with problems with the actual physical nature of your station. So you can play it once and just do one pillar of your community. You can play it three times and do a full cycle. You can even go and play the kids of, or the, or the predecessors of that generation um, afterwards and do another circle of three. But the goal is, you know, shared storytelling that you you don't have to spend a lot of time prepping for. Because as much as I love a good game, I'm I'm 43 and I got a lot of things to do in a day. And if you want me to run a game, I'm going to show up and I want I want to share that experience with the table, but I can't afford to do an hours worth of prep. Right. And thanks to one thing Zoom does which I unfortunately mm. hate we oh. only have eight minutes left oh no if i'd have known i would have created the link i have a pro account i spend my life Ash. teaching classes here oh wait, yeah you do dang it <laughs> didn't think um so if you don't mind do um yeah go ahead i'm just I, going to wrap it up sure absolutely do. i i want to respect your time you made time for me and i certainly yeah, want you, you to have the time you need well, I definitely could tell you, I personally would love to have you on again. Oh, I'd, I'd love to be on. I, I don't know how to, if you can't tell. <laughs> I am super, just to be within the framework of the show, super geeky about this stuff. This wonderful, is uh, wonderful. a life passion for me. And thank you for giving me time and space to talk about it. Of course, of course. So you've listened to some of my episodes. You know how I like to leave off the special guest. I got any words of wisdom for the listeners? Um, hmm. I, 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 that's a, it feels, feels massive. Um, <laughs> let me, let me think about, let me think about how I want to put it. Let me say, uh, yeah, you know, I'll say this. School is a badly designed game. Um, and games, games when they're well designed have immense power to change people's lives. So, you know, if you don't like the game you're playing, I think you should rewrite the rules. Yeah, that's really poetic. Nice. <laughs> I teach English for, for a living. <laughs> it's it's kind of my job. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. <laughs> but again, thank you so much for being on, Michael. It's been great. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah. all right, dear listeners, I suppose that is it. Have a good morning, afternoon, evening, and maybe even a good night. Goodbye, goodbye, everyone. Take care.